Lord. You have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that's just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up anew, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendour to their children. May the favour of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. God is eternal. What does that mean? It's not just a throwaway name. It means something about him. What does it mean that God is eternal? Now, as I was thinking about this uh, topic, I was thinking, well, eternal, eternity has to do with time. And time is quite a tricky thing to get our heads around. And I was a bit worried thinking, well, if we start talking to people about time, they might think, not really that bothered. If someone asks you, what is time? I was also talking, um, as I was thinking this year, I was talking to my wife, uh, saying I'm a bit concerned about this, uh, and she said that wasn't her issue. Uh, I do have a permission to quote her on this. Uh, she said, when I start thinking about time, I don't understand it, and not understanding makes me angry. <laughs> Maybe you'll feel that, as you go through, I, I want to understand this, I want to grasp what the Bible is telling me, and I want to understand time, and it's such a big topic. But why might we uh, find it worthwhile to go through something we don't understand? Well, the purpose of the Bible is to move us to worship, to know the God who made us, the Lord of all. And as we worship God, because we know him better, we get joy. It is good for us, that's what we are made to do, to know him, to be known by him, and to return praise and thanks. And I hope for all of us, as we look at this passage, uh, this topic rather, we think, yeah, there's more to learn. Because quite a lot of the children have gone out. And it's easy to think of Christian things like something for the kids, something nice for them. But we'll move beyond it. Well, I hope at the end of this morning we all think, oh, there's so much more I could learn. God is so much greater than I realise in my daily experience, and I want to know him more. So, uh, what we're going to uh, cover in terms of structure 
and then I'm going to pray. And we're going to look at it in three different parts. Firstly, what's our relationship to time? What's our relationship to time? Then we can think about what God's relationship to time is. Part one, our relationship to time. Part two, God's relationship to time. Part three, our relationship to God. That's what we're going to cover. Uh, let me pray uh, briefly before we then move into that first section. Lord God, we worship you as the eternal God. We pray now you would reveal yourself more to us. Give us hearts that understand, minds that love you. And please, Lord, give us the grace to grasp you uh, just a little bit more and that we might delight in knowing you better. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, what's our relationship to time? We're going to look at three uh, different parts under this, um, A, B, and C, we'll call them. Uh, what's our relationship to time? We're looking at an old proof, a um, older, old-ish sort of proof, and then a newer proof. Um, what is our relationship to time? Okay, the first proof is actually still in Genesis. Genesis 29, verse 20. It'll come up on the screen. I've given you a couple more verses there. I'll step down to read it. Uh, Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than some other man. Stay here with me. And that's the bit we're interested in in terms of time. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Do you ever experience that? A chunk of time flying by. I'm not saying many of you worked for seven years to get a spouse, but that, that sense of, it went so quickly. Seven years, just like a few days. Isn't that strange? But we know what I mean. we can experience that in our own lives. See, time, our perception of time changes depending on whether it's something we find worthwhile and enjoyable. Maybe we don't find the opposite. A short amount of time crawling by. Come on, come on. See, time, we can't quite perceive it. We can't quite grasp it, can we? Sometimes it seems long when it's short, and sometimes it seems short when it's long. And there we have it in the Bible. Universal human experience. So time is kind of quite hard for us to grasp. All right, the second thing is from Augustine. Now, Augustine was a theologian and a philosopher. He lived in North Africa, um, yeah, about 400 AD. And he's one of the most dominant figures in Western thought. And he said this about time. He's a very, very clever man. Here's what he said about time. What then is time? I know well enough what it is, provided that nobody asks me. But if I am asked what it is and try to explain, I am baffled. I love that. What is time? Well, you know what time. If I say I'll see you in five minutes, you know what I mean, right? But if I asked you, what are those five minutes? You say, well, it's about clocks and then, well, that's not really time. Very quickly, like, what is it? The greatest minds cannot understand time. We cannot explain time. We can work with it, but we cannot explain it. Thank you, that can come down. Uh, and there's one fi uh, final kind of newer thought about time. This is now the hand out Einstein's theory of special relativity. Now, I'm not a physics teacher, uh, but let me just go very briefly. Uh, Einstein realized, don't ask me how, that space and time are linked. So that where you are and how quickly you're moving is linked to where you are in time and how quickly you go through time. And the quicker you go through space, the slower you go through time. You can actually prove, they've proved this, right? What, what this looks like in practice is they get two very, very accurate clocks, atomic clocks, and they sync them up so they're perfectly in sync. And then they put one on a rocket and send it off very, very fast around the Earth. 
Okay? One clock on Earth, one clock round and round. Moving much quicker. They then bring them back together. Now what should you what would you expect to find? Very accurate clocks. Still in sync. But the one that goes round the Earth is behind. It's slower. Because when you move quicker, the slower you go through time. That's what people have found out about the universe. Now, some of you look very glazed, and that's either, it's either a good thing because you're like, oh, whoa, we live in a weird universe, or you look glazed, it's bad because you just don't know what I'm talking about. But I hope you can grasp, at least with that, that time is, is bigger than us. That's the answer to the first question. What is our relationship to time? Well, time is greater than we are. We are in time. We are trapped in time. You can't go back. Loads of us would love to go back in time, wouldn't we? And change something? We can't. We are in time. And like Jacob, sometimes our perceptions of it aren't quite accurate. And like Augustine, we can work with time, but don't ask us to explain it. And as for Einstein, well, we can leave it well alone. <laughs> the universe we live in is strange, and it's bigger than us. So the first part we would see, what is our relationship to time? Well, time is greater than us. That's quite simple, isn't it? Time is greater than us. We're not the masters of it. All right. Let's move on to part two then. Uh, what is God's relationship to time? Three parts of this, A, B, and C, two. And now these are all from Scripture. The first two are from Psalm 90. If you have that um, still open, it'd be great to look at that. Three things about God's relationship to time. Firstly, God is everlasting. We saw that in Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting. Do you get that? From everlasting. From before, 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 forever. All the way to into ever, ever, and ever, and ever. And not just you exist, not just you've been around a long time, but what does it say? You are God. God is the one from everlasting to everlasting, forever, eternal. That's the first thing we see about God. Then, what else do we see in Psalm 90 verse 4? That God is on a different level. God is on a different level to us. Psalm 90 verse 4, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. See, Jacob had seven years and it seemed like a few days. God has a thousand years. I could watch in the night. I can sleep. Nothing. He's on a different level. Do you see that? He's much, much greater. He's on a different level compared to us. So God is eternal, everlasting. He's on a different level. And thirdly, God made time. God made time. Okay, well, now we make time, don't we? we say, oh, can you make time for that? We say, yes or no. But when we say God made time, that's on a different level too. Now, I will say this before we head there. It's in Genesis 1. You can click there if you like, in Genesis 1. Uh, I will say this is less than definite, in my mind, but it, I think it's more than speculation. Okay? Because we're not treading on like, we get, we're going to deep waters here. But let's just see. Where, where did time come from? Is God in time or is time made by him? What's, what's the thing? Well, Genesis 1, talking about the creation of the world. 
I'll, I'll read these first five verses, just one, one to five. So this is the very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless, empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So this is moment, it seems to be just before the creation of the world. Here we are going to get the account. Verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Okay, so what do we see here? When is the first day? When he made light. Time. The first block of time. Then it also put on there, Genesis 1, verse 16. God made two great lights. This is on the uh, third day. God made two great lights. Uh, sorry, the fourth day. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the sun and the moon. On the fourth day, we've already had a day. On the first day, how can you have a day without the sun and the moon? Well, we're not going to go into where that is. Other questions that might be linked to that. But can we just think about time? When did time start? When was the first day? It was before the sun. It was on the first creation day. It's, as you like, as you like, the, if you like the, um, the time, the clock started at zero on the first day. And that's not just the time of the sun, that's the time of the universe. That there wasn't time before God did this. God made time. Now, we can talk more about that after, if you like, and I appreciate there's lots of questions bound up in these verses. But time seems to start right at the beginning of Genesis 1, when God makes things. He speaks light into being. Let's just uh, tease out a bit more. When you make something, you put it somewhere, right? Let's say you make a sandwich. You put it somewhere. You put it somewhere that already exists. You put it on a plate or on a table, if you haven't got such good manners. You, you put it somewhere that exists. Now here is another one of those questions that is impossible to answer. When God made the world, the universe, where did he put it? Where did God put the universe when he made it? He can't put it somewhere because there isn't somewhere to put it. Does that make sense? The plate already exists for us, but what was if there was nothing? Where does it go? I don't know. Let's make that even harder. When God made the world, what time was it? I don't know. There, there wasn't a time. God made time and space. And that's one of the areas where I think science does lean, at least me, a, a little bit to thinking time was created by God, because space and time in our observations do seem to be really linked. Now, we're, not, we're not perfect, we don't know everything, but they do seem to be linked, and it seems to come from Scripture too. God made time and made space. So it means that there wasn't a countdown to creation. There wasn't a five, four, because there couldn't be a countdown. There just was everlasting. And then God made space and he made time. Good. God made time. All right, we might have a question there, because Psalm 90 says... Before, before the mountains were brought forth, you are God. Okay, so how can there be a before, before time? Because before is a time word, isn't it? Well, uh, this is an illustration to uh, help us think through that. Um, when the Queen died, 
Prince Charles became king. Yes, I looked this up, he did become king before the coronation. He's immediately king. Now let me ask you, what was the time delay from when the Queen passed to when Charles became king? How long, how long is the gap? There isn't much there. Susan, there's, there's, there can be no gap. It wasn't like the monarchy had to fly through the air and needed to cover space. It's just instant. The moment the Queen dies, the Prince becomes king. In the same instant, you can't put a time between them. Do you, do you see that? The monarchy passes on in that instant. But, did they happen at the same time? No, you can't have Charles before, before, they came in a definite order, didn't they? Charles can't become, become king before the Queen dies. The Queen passes and then becomes king. So you see, there is a before and after without time. I don't know if I give you any uh, illumination on the subject. But you can see a before, even without a clock. All right, thank you. So when we think about what is God's relationship to time, what have we seen? That God is greater than time. Because he is everlasting. He's eternal. He's on a different level to us. And he made time. We are stuck in time, but God is over time. He made it. Just a couple of thoughts on that. As we think about who God is, what he is like. If God is indeed outside of time and he made time, then that does link to the idea that he doesn't change. Because what does change require? Change requires time. We need to change from being like one thing to being another. One moment to the next. But if God is outside time in one perfect moment forever, he doesn't change because he needs change. There is no change in God. And the Bible tells us that for sure. Now, we don't have to work out actually how that takes place. That's above our pay grade. But can you see, God is just enormous. He's vast. You might think, what is it like to be God? What is it like to be God in an eternal moment? I don't know. Only God knows that. God is greater than time. And so that moves us into our third part. What is our relationship with God? If God is greater than time, and time is greater than us, what do we see between us and God? God is much, much greater. God is much, much greater than us. So what? All right? Now we've understood some of that, hopefully. But what do we do with that? God is much, much greater than you. He's much, much greater than me. What do we do with that? Well, Psalm 90 tells us, actually, first. It's not on the handout, but I'll just read it again. Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Do you want to be wise? No, you haven't got long. That's what Psalm 90 says. Do you want to be wise? Know that you are not God. You do not last forever. Verse 10, just a few verses before. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if the strength endures. Want to be wise? Know that you're not going to stick around this life forever. Compared to God, we're just momentary, like a breath. Wisdom is knowing that we are not eternal. That's us. But let's now think about God. These are, these are devotional applications now. I want to move to devotion and worship. 
Some of us, we be like thinking big thoughts and that stimulates our heart. Others of us, that's not quite our cup of tea, and that's fine. We are different. But let's see where this takes us. Four things I want to really encourage you with when we think about God being eternal. Four things that God really can do, or is, as a result of what we've seen. Firstly, God really knows the future. God really knows the future. There's lots of places we can go to this. I just picked three in Matthew. We've been going through Matthew 10. And these are three instances in Matthew's Gospel where Jesus predicts his death. Here's the first one. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then Matthew 17, 22. When they came together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And then again, Matthew 20, verses, verse 17 to 19. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. How did Jesus know that? How could he know that? He is so sure. He tells them three times. This is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. How? Because God really knows the future. God is not in time like you and me. When we look forward to the future, we just guess, right? We like we track the flight of the ball and think, well, throwing this fast, it's probably going to do that. We don't know if someone's going to come in and catch it. We can't predict anything, really. We don't know the future. God knows the future. Jesus knows what is going to happen. And so when God says something is going to happen, he's not guessing. He's not basing it on big data. He's basing it on one simple piece of information. He's knowledge of everything. He's eternal. He's outside time. He sees the whole of human history. He looks at it. And so when God says, any time in the Bible, God says, this will happen. He will. Because he's already seen it. From his perspective, he knows the future. That's greatly encouraging. We think about the promises in the Bible and what God says he will do. He will do it. That's why he sometimes speaks of the future like it's already happened. Because to him it kind of has. He's outside time. God really knows the future. Secondly, God really is patient. There's 2 Peter 3. I'll read out again. Peter picks up on Psalm 90, the idea in Psalm 90, and thinks about God carrying, keeping the world going on. Why does he not come to finish things? 2 Peter 3, verses 8 to 9. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Do you see what Peter does here? He says, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. So, a thousand years pass by very quick, and yet, 
The day takes a long time because God is being patient every moment. God sees all the sin and suffering in the world. Every moment it happens. And yet, he gives a little bit more time, a little bit more time for people to come to repentance. God really is patient. He's not forgotten. The opposite. He's very, very present. And so, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord, can I tell you, the reason you have breath, the reason that you woke up this morning, is so that you might have the chance to believe. That's why you're living today. That's why God didn't end now. Because he is really patient. And he will. He will come. And he goes on to say, and he will come, because God has made that promise. Two more things, two more devotional thoughts. One in Revelation 22, and then one in uh, Jeremiah 31. Revelation 22, again, I'll just read it. It's very brief, right at the end of the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 5. John is talking about the future, which will happen, remember. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And they, everyone in Jesus, will reign forever and ever. God really can give eternal life. Because if God is from everlasting to everlasting, he's always around to give you life and to sustain you every moment into eternity. God really can give eternal life because he is eternal. He's always going to be there to be our light. I said earlier, wisdom is knowing that you're not eternal. Well, that's partly true, isn't it? You will die. And yet, in Jesus we are eternal. So wisdom is being in him. All right, one more devotional application. Uh, and this is one that encouraged me the most when I was uh, thinking about this topic. This is Jeremiah 31, 31, very famous verses. We go lots of places. This shows us that God really forgives us. God really forgives us. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Think about forgiveness and time, right? If, if someone hurt you and me right now, hurts really badly, could we forgive them in that moment when, when the pain hit, whether it's physical or psychological? I think it'd be quite weird, wouldn't it? For us to manage to that, forgive in the moment? What do we usually need? Time. And time goes past, and, and some of our wounds, they heal up, and our memory fades a bit, depending on what the, the hurt was. And we might then, further down the track, be able to forgive. Had a bit of distance, had a bit of time. Okay, that's how we forgive. Usually, by God's grace. But what does God experience? Does he forget? No. He's eternal. He, he sees all. So, a convicted murderer, who years later in prison, comes to Jesus and says, Lord, forgive me. Does God forgive that man? Yes. Has God forgotten that sin? Is it faded from his mind when he forgives? No, he's eternal. He sees it all. He forgives, as it were, also at the moment of the killing. And also at the moment that the loved ones of that person find out the news. God forgives in the moment. 
So when we repent, our sins have faded sometimes. We've forgotten about it. But God is eternal. He's outside time. He sees it clearer than we do. And yet, what does he choose to do? I love the way the Bible talks about God forgiving. It doesn't say he forgets. I did look to try and find if there's anywhere in the Bible that says God forgets our sin. By far, the more common way is that he will remember their sins no more. He no longer remembers it. He no longer, that is, bring it to mind to do something about it. He can't forget stuff because he knows everything. It would be impossible. What he chooses to do, he chooses to do, is no longer bring it back to mind in a way to act. That's how God forgives. He sees our sin. He sees the worst things we've done, better than we see it. And yet he still chooses to remember it no more. Has God really forgiven you? Yes. God really knows the future. God really is patient. God really can give eternal life. And God really forgives. Well, as we come to the end of the sermon, there's lots we haven't touched on. We haven't talked about the incarnation. How could the eternal God, God the Son, become a human and take on human nature and also be eternal? What is it like to be outside of time and in time at the same time? What is it like for that person to die for us? What's our response to that? Wonder and worship. That that great eternal God would take on human flesh to die for you and for me. We're going to move now to a time of communion where we're going to celebrate together what God has done for us. I'm going to pray and then I'll give you a moment of quiet just to reflect. And then we'll come out Heavenly Father, thank you for the things we've covered. Uh, we know we cannot understand all of it. In fact, there's most of it we cannot grasp. But thank you that you have revealed yourself in your word. You've given us true words about yourself, that we can know the God who is outside and above time, who is greater than it and therefore much, much greater than us. And we pray that we would be moved to know the forgiveness you have given us, the patience you uh, hand us each day, moment by moment. And thank you that we can be confident in the future that you will give us eternal life because you are there. In Jesus' name. <coughs>